Well, good morning. It's great to be with you. Once again, it's always great to be with my New Life family. And this morning, we are going to, I think, conclude our series on uh, the Lordship of Jesus. And we're looking this morning together at uh, what it means for Jesus to be Lord of the church. And so I have three words that as I was kind of thinking and contemplating about what I wanted to share with you this morning, that um, there were three words that came to mind. But before we do that, I would ask that you would pray with me, please. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this time that we can spend together this morning. And Lord, whenever we gather, you have a word for your church. And I pray that this morning, the words of my mouth would be your words to your people in this place on this day, so that we might together recognize you as the Lord of this church, and that we might participate with you in carrying the name of Jesus to the world in which we live. And we pray these things in the strong name of Christ our Lord. Amen. So, <clears throat> three words that came to my mind that are just kind of natural things, two of them, as we think about the Lord of the church. The first word that I want us to kind of mull around in our heads together a little bit this morning is Lord. Okay? The second word is church. And the third word, which kind of comes out of the context in which I'm being privileged to serve right now here at New Life, would be the word, and we're going to kind of see how this all ties together with the first two words, the word call. Okay? So we're going to look at Lord, we're going to look at church, we're going to look at call. All right. So as you're sitting there thinking about the word Lord, good biblical word, but I would like for us to think in terms of just kind of our everyday language and in your mind, think of a word, one word, just one, you can only choose one word, that would be synonymous with the word Lord. Kind of help us think a little bit about what that word means. You're thinking, I'm gonna give you a couple more seconds to think of one word that you think would be the best word to use that's synonymous with the word Lord. On the count of three, everybody just shout out the word that you're thinking. One, two, three. Yahweh. Ooh. I heard, I heard Yahweh. What else? Okay, a few other people just one at a time. What did you say? Anybody? Abba. What was that? Okay. Leader. Okay. Here's my word. Boss. Okay. And when you stop and think about it, that's what I think Jesus wants to be. And not only what I think, he is. He's the boss. Get over it. <laughs> For those of you who want to be the boss, Jesus is. 
Lord. He is Lord, and, and it may not appear that it is the truth in the world in which we live, but God is, and Jesus is still the Lord of his world. His will will be done, even though it may not appear like it. He is the boss of government, and I know that it doesn't look like that he's the boss of government right now in every way. We pray for our leaders, but he is the boss of government, and Jesus is the boss. He is the Lord. He is the head. He is the leader. He is the authority. He is Yahweh. He is all of those things of his church. Jesus is the Lord of his church, and he wants to be the boss. He wants things to, his way is the highway. And he wants us to be on it with him. Okay, second word is church. I had to put my little card away here to be able to do this. And how many of you have seen this at some point in your life? I got to kind of turn around a little bit. Hands like this, right? Have you ever seen this? This is the church. This is a steeple. Open the doors and see all the people. Anybody ever seen that growing up? Look at that. It's almost still everybody at this service as well. Every hand went up at first service. Okay. What I want to do is to say that that's a creative little way of talking a little bit about the church, even though it's wrong. Okay. And I want to tell you why. Because it fosters a way of thinking that is not helpful. And that's Here's the reason. When I say in that illustration, here is the church, what do you think people are thinking of? What's the church then in that illustration? The building. This is steeple. Open the doors. See all the people. As though the building is the church and the people are just in the church. And we still talk about that sometimes. I'm going over to the church. I'm going to go to church on Sunday morning. And the truth of the matter is this. This, this building in which we are in is not the church. It's not the church. Right? These are the church. The people are the church. You are the church. I am the church. Say it with me. We are the church. We are the church. Now even get personal and say this with me. I am the church. I am the church. You are the church. We are the church. You know, I am the church. You are the church. We are the church. That's the better song, the better illustration. I am the church. You are the church. We are the church together. All who follow Jesus all around the world. Yes, we're the church together. Ever heard that one? You heard that one growing up. I know some of you did. All right. So Jesus wants to be the boss of the church, of you and me, of us corporately and of each one of us individually. That's what he wants to be. I want you to know that this third word is one that just really excites me right now and it's really uh, filled me with a lot of hope and I'm going to tell you why. That word is 
call. Okay? And when I think about that, uh, I I think about it that in a couple of ways. I think about it in uh, the first way that I am currently, I have the privilege of serving on the call team here at New Life as we are in the process of calling a new lead pastor. And one of the things that I want you to know is that I am just filled with hope. Because, you know, there, the church in the world, the, the, the historical kind of Christian church as it meets together in buildings around the world is, has, has, has had some difficulty throughout the world. I was listening to uh, uh, some folks talking about, I guess it was during the, the Queen's Platinum Jubilee, and they were talking about how many people in England, in Europe, still go to church. And this is true all across Europe, and it's just a minuscule number, not even in the 10%. It's, you know, like 3 or 4% of, of Europeans go to a building to, to be a part of a church on Sunday mornings. And the United States is in, the process, is in the process of kind of seeing that number dwindle as well. COVID didn't help. And, you know, there's just been a, a kind of a steady decline of numbers of persons that are being a part of the church in a building. And what I have been learning in this process that we're going through is that Jesus is still Lord and he's still raising up men and women who want to be a part of serving in the, the corporate church in this country. And there are some just fine young leaders being raised up. And we have had the privilege of talking to a, a, several of them in this process. And I, and I, I can tell you that we're, we're going to be in good hands at the end of the day. God is still at work calling people to be a part of leading his church into the work that God has designed for us to do in the world. God is at work, and God is calling. One of the things that is really important for us to to realize as we're in this process, and I share this with the call team from time to time, we are not, and this is what has to do with Jesus being Lord and and being the the boss, the, the one who is at the, the center of what we're doing in the body of Christ in the church. We're not hiring a pastor. Sometimes we use that word, gets kind of tossed around in, in the call community. We're hiring a pastor. No, we're not. No, we're not. We are not. God, the Lord of the church, Jesus himself, is in the process of leading us, and he's in the process of calling to one particular person. And this is just the way it's true. This is how much God cares about his church still in the world. He's in the process of calling one particular person, of speaking to their heart, to come and be here in this place, to be a shepherd who leads us into the future that God has for the church in this place, for what he wants us to do. God is in the process of calling to that person, and that person is in the process of listening, and our call team is in the process of discerning who that person is that God is calling to be a part of the life of this congregation to to lead us in what God has chosen for us to do 
in this particular place where we are as the church of Jesus in the Sauk Valley. That's how much God cares about the church and the world in which we live. He's in the process of helping us to, to see who it is that he is calling and we will uh, confirm that call and, and invite that person to come and be a part of the work that we're doing together here in the Sauk Valley. And here's where you fit into that. Because not, not only is God calling that person, that person's name, he's calling you and me. Our lesson today, if, and if you want, if you don't have your Bible handy, you can take it. Because I'm going to, everything I'm going to talk about when I talk about the lesson for today, I'm going to make a couple of lists for us to kind of help us walk through this. It's on page 156 in the New Testament in your pew Bible. If you want to follow along there, you can. If you have the, the uh, New Revised Standard Version on your phone, you can look up Colossians 3, 12 through 17 there. But we're going to look at that. And here's the first words of the lesson for today. As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, and then we're going to go along and talk about things. But here's the, here's the truth. You and I are God's chosen ones. The boss has called us, has chosen us. We are holy we are made holy by virtue of Christ's blood shed for us on the cross, and we have been forgiven and redeemed, and we have been justified and sanctified. We've been set right with God, and we are being made into God's holy people to serve, and God has called us to that task as well. One of the things that the candidate we talked to this week mentioned, that, and I really resonated with it, is that when he was talking about the word vocation. Okay. Everybody heard that word? Hands. Have you heard the word before vocation? Yep. Everybody's heard the word. Do you know what the word means? It comes from what language? Latin, I'll tell you. And the word in the Latin for vocation is what? Do you know? Call. It's to call. You're calling. We have a vocation given to us by God in the church. It's our calling. Just as God is calling a pastor to serve in this congregation, so God has called you in the very same way to serve in the capacity in which he wants to use you to be a missionary in the world that we are serving together. In this location in the Sauk Valley, God is calling us to do that. God has called you. You have a vocation that God has, has given to you you have a particular set of gifts and talents and skills and abilities that God has given to you, just as he's given to the person that he's calling to serve as our lead pastor. He has given to you. He's calling you. God has called each one of us to be a part of his church where the Lord of the church wants to send us out into the world. We just celebrated Pentecost a couple of weeks ago. And <clears throat> here's where I want to start as I, as I work into the lesson for the day. When Jesus ascended to the Father, he said, go back to Jerusalem and stay where you've been staying to the first hundred or so followers of the early church. He said, go and wait there until you hear from me, until I have spoken, until I speak to you. And on Pentecost Day, how did God speak? God sent his spirit and they heard it like the sound of what? A mighty rushing Wind. They came and filled the place where they were, and tongues of fire rested on their heads. And what's the next thing that God commanded them to do? He said, open the doors of the place where you are and get out of here now because you're filled with the Holy Spirit. And what I want you to do is go out and 
to, to call, to speak to the people. And what did they do? This was, I wish I could have been there because it was really miraculous. It was an amazing thing to see. And people said, these are people, these, these are, what are, what's going on here? They were speaking languages to every person that was gathered in to Jerusalem for the feast of, of the Pentecost, uh, for the feast at hand, and they were hearing the gospel spoken in their own language, the Parthians and the Medes and and all of the people gathered in Jerusalem from all over the world were hearing the people of the church speak to them in, the language, in their own language without having ever learned it. It was, it was amazing. And people came to Christ left and right as the people went out the doors and took the gospel to Jerusalem first and then to Judea. And then uh, Jesus said, you're going to take it to the ends of the world as well. Brothers and sisters, here's the truth. If, if I've learned something over the last 50 years of my life and those 45 years or so spent in public ministry in a variety of ways as a youth director and then as a pastor, I've learned this. And this is a truth that we need to understand and that we need to embrace and that we need to be willing uh, to, to, to change our thinking in some ways to be able to address the need that there is in the world. There was a time when, when people would come into the walls of the place where the church met and w- would be willing to come and, and listen to the word of the Lord being spoken. And they would seek out the church uh, because they had a, a hunger in their hearts. But I want you to know something, that we're not in a world like that anymore. We live in a generation where a couple generations ago, people stopped going to church, and then their kids never went to church, and now their kids' kids don't even know what goes on in the walls of a church, and they're not interested in seeking us out. They're not. That's the truth. There, there are still some people looking for truth and they'll say, well, I'm spiritual, but I'm just not religious. You know, they say that. Say all sorts of things like that. It's all sorts of things that will say, yeah, I'm interested in some kind of higher truth, but I don't think that I'll find it in the walls of that building where you meet. They're not going to seek us out. The only way that people will ever come to Christ that are lost in the world is if we leave the walls of this place and go out there in that world and seek them out and share with them the good news of the gospel. In word and deed, that's the only way they'll know. The church has got to realize that reality. And what I'm hearing from the candidates that we've been talking to is that they get that. They get that. Lots of young people that are just saying, we've got to find some creative ways to get out of these walls and to do our job, to be missionaries, to listen to the Lord of the church and let him lead us into the world around us to do the work that he has called us to do, to let him be the Lord and be the boss and give us our marching orders and go out to do it. Now, we're going to turn to Colossians and we're going to look at some practical ways, because the Bible's always practical, in which we can do that together. I've got seven things. You can put it on, a, if you're writing it down, you've got seven things, one for each day of this next week for you to focus on. Seven things for us to think about from today's lesson which begins with, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. And that's who you are. You are God's chosen ones. You are holy. 
and you are beloved. Okay, here's the seven things, and we'll just, I'm going to give you a word, and then we'll talk about each of them a little bit. The first, and you can put Sunday for this one, clothe yourself with. Clothe yourself. Clothe yourself with. Okay, that's Sunday. Monday is bear with. Okay, it's bear with one another, but clothe yourself, clothe not clothes, but clothe, C-L-O-T-H-E. Clothe yourself on Sunday. Bear with on Monday. Forgive on Tuesday. Wednesday, let the peace of Christ, the peace of Christ. Thursday is going to be, be thankful. Friday, let the word dwell in you richly. That's kind of a little phrase there. Word dwell. Saturday, do everything in the name of the Lord, okay? Do everything in the name of the Lord. Seven days worth of stuff. Now, we're going to back up, and we're going to look at all these things in our lesson from Colossians that will help us to be equipped to go out of these doors and to be missionaries wherever God has called you in your sphere of influence in the Sock Valley to be God's missionary in the world to do and to be creative in the way in which you share Christ with others. Okay? So, Sunday, clothe yourself. Put on some clothes, for goodness sakes. You know, my wife would not let me go out in the world naked, for which you should be very thankful. Okay? Put on some clothes, for goodness sakes. Okay? Get dressed up so you'll be presentable. So you can present the gospel in a winsome way. Clothe yourself with these things. There's six of them. Okay? One, compassion. Two, kindness. Three, humility. Four, and we'll talk about this one because I think it's the hardest one to understand of this list. Meekness. Five, patience. And then a little farther along in the passage, clothe yourself, he says, with love kind of the summary word that sums them all up. Compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, love. Okay, so we're going to clothe ourselves first to go out and do this work in the world. And the first one that you're going to, th the first thing that God calls us to clothe ourselves with is compassion. Here's what compassion is from my understanding. The best I can kind of get my hands around it. Compassion is putting yourself is being able to put yourself in the skin of another person and feel what they're feeling. To know, to really know that person and what they're thinking. It's, it's sometimes when you, when you meet people, you look at them and go, man, you know, there's, there's a rough edge to them. Or, oh, man, I didn't like this or I didn't like that. But here's what compassion does. Compassion allows you to dig deeper and to get inside of their experience. I promise you that every person that you come in contact with every day has a story and their life has been influenced by a lot of things and a lot of those things have been difficult for them to deal with. And they, they need somebody to understand them. So your call is not to just to say hello to your neighbor, but your, your call is to have a compassionate heart towards those that you come in contact with, to get to know their story, to get to know who they are, to understand the skin that they're walking in so that you can empathize with them, so that you can truly care about what they're going through. You can say, oh yeah, man, I, I get it. I've been through that same thing. I know what you're feeling. 
to get inside the heart and skin of another person, to show compassion toward them, to have a, a passion for them, a compassion, a, a, a heart that wants to really understand who people are. So clothe yourself with compassion. Clothe yourself with kindness. We know what kindness is. It's just doing those little things day in and day out to show somebody else that you care about them. Paying it forward, little acts of kindness, paying for somebody's coffee at the coffee house behind you, uh, whatever it is that, that you can do just to show a little kindness to people to let somebody go first when you're in line someplace. Just, or maybe, you know, pay for somebody's groceries every once in a while. I don't know. Be creative. Think about it. You know, show a little kindness. To one another. Humility. Jesus humbled himself and became obedient, the Bible says, to the point of death, even death on a cross. He, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but humbled himself. That's what humbleness is. That's what humility is. It's not counting yourself as the be-all and end-all, but looking at somebody else and saying, I am going to, 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 to humble myself and, and to care for you. You, know, you think somebody else should be taking care of you? Well, no, you should be figuring out a way to humble yourself and take care of your neighbor. Four, meekness. And this is the one that I had to kind of even look up. What's kind of a good definition of meekness? And here is the definition of meekness that I looked up in the dictionary. It's submitting to the will of another without complaint. And so in our case, submitting to the will of God without uh, complaining about it. It's kind of like when, um, when your kids say to you, uh, why should I do that? And you, said, and you say to them, why? Because I said so. <laughs> and, 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 and so it's your kids not saying, yeah, but why? And you say, well, because I said so. And that's what it is. God has a will for us. It's revealed to us in his word. And he says, just do it. Submitting yourself willfully, submitting your will to the will of another without complaining. And that's our job as Christians. Jesus is the boss. If he calls us to do something, it's just do it. Submitting, that's what meekness is. It's not having to have it your way. It's being willing to do it his way. Patience. We know what patience is, for goodness sakes. You know, it's just being willing to wait sometimes for somebody to catch up with what you're doing. Or for them to grow into the, the thing that you're hoping to see uh, them ha have happen in their lives. It's being patient with one another. And then finally, this is, comes a, a verse or so later in the text, but I'm just putting them all together here. He says, clothe yourself with love. Okay? And really, love is just a summary of all the things that we're talking about here in the clothe yourself thing. You know, if you know me, that I have a saying about love. And I think it's true. It is this, and you can finish it with me if you know what I'm going to say, and that is, love is what you do. You're right, Pam Capes. Love is what you do. Love is not some swishy little word we throw around that talks about how we feel. Okay, that's not really what love is. Love is a choice that you make to do the things that God is talking about here when it comes to your neighbor, to those in your sphere of influence. Love is what you do. Love is what you do. 
It's not so much what you say, although it's good to say I love you to somebody every once in a while. Tell my wife I love her every day. She tells me that she loves me. But love is what you do. Love is what you do. So clothe yourself with those six things. On Monday, tomorrow, as you're going about your day, think about this thing. Bear with one another. It is not easy to live in community, and it is not easy to live with those that are far from Christ. It's sometimes not easy to live with those who are near to Christ, but it's certainly not easy to live with those who are far from Christ. Sometimes you have to bear with them. You have to bear with them. As they're fumbling along and as they're learning their way and as they're trying to understand what you're saying or, or as they're waiting for you to understand what they're saying, we have to bear with one another. You have to put up with some of the stuff that comes along in your relationships with other people for the sake of a greater end. You bear with them until they get to the place, until they have that aha moment that helps them to, to become what you're hoping that they will become. We need to bear with one another. So Monday, tomorrow, when you go out in the world, bear with somebody, okay? See if you can take the time to bear with somebody on Tuesday. This, this is one that will take more than Tuesday, for sure, and that is forgive each other. Forgive each other. The older I get, the more I appreciate the fact that we begin every worship, every worship service in our Lutheran tradition with confession and forgiveness. I know that I'm broken. I'm broken. I sin. And I need to, to confess my sin and to hear that I'm forgiven. This may come as an utter shock to you, but there are times when my wife for one reason or another, is annoyed with me. Disappointed in me. Whatever. There are times when I sin in my relationship with my wife. I'm cruel. I say something I shouldn't say. I've done something I shouldn't do. And you can live your life, you can go through your day without trying to make it right. But I'll tell you this, it's not a fun way to live. And when I finally get to the place of saying to her, Marcia, I'm sorry for what I did. It was wrong. Will you forgive me? And she says to me, honey, get lost. <laughs> no, she never says that, as a matter of fact. I've never heard my wife say that. She says, I forgive you because I love you. I forgive you. And you know what that does to the rest of the day? It makes it better. It makes it better. You know that it's true. Forgiveness is, a, is, is the grease that keeps the skids moving. It is that which helps us to move graciously and smoothly through life. Learn to forgive one another. Learn to ask for forgiveness. Learn to grant forgiveness. Forgive one another. On Wednesday... This week, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Here's what I want you to think of when I want you to think of that, letting the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Remember the time when Jesus was with his, his, with his disciples in the boat, and they were on the Sea of Galilee, and this big wind comes up, and the disciples in the boat are looking at the wind around them and going, oh my gosh, we're going to die, right? And what's Jesus doing? You remember? He's sleeping. He doesn't have a care in the world. He's sleeping in the boat in the middle of the storm. 
That's because there was peace in his heart. He didn't let the circumstances around him rob him of his peace. Because that's a peace that God gives. Remember, the Bible talks the peace that passes human understanding. That's the peace that Jesus had in that situation. And it's the peace that he wants to give you in the midst of the dealings that you have in your daily life with the people that are around you. There's going to be storms coming at you this week, I promise you. Something's going to come up that will cause a disruption, that will cause some waves. There's going to be some wind, some hot air from some one of your colleagues or whatever, something you're going to have to deal with. And what God wants for you in the midst of that situation is to be able to be at peace, to have the peace that Jesus had in the midst of the storm so that he could, you know, continue to be about the work that God had given him to do. So there's going to be storms. God wants you to not get all bent out of shape in the middle of them, but to have a peace that only he can give that allows you to navigate that situation and to continue to be, you know, there are people that are going to look at you and go, why? Wow. How can you be so calm in the midst of what's going on? And you'll have opportunity to tell them why. But if you're just, you know, freaking out with them, they won't know that you've got something that, that you can offer in the midst of, of the storms of life. Okay. Thursday, and I'm lumping a couple things together here. Uh, be thankful and uh, to, to sing songs with gratitude, uh, psalms and, and hymns and spiritual songs, kind of just an attitude of gratitude, an attitude of gratitude. To live life being thankful for what you have instead of griping and complaining about what you don't have, about how things are. And... <laughs> I don't know, somebody, I guess, kind of thought this was a little humorous at first service. I said, you, know, you, know, you can choose in the midst of uh, things that would make you to be uh, not thankful or to be a complainer. I said, you can choose to be a booger if you want, right? Perhaps you know some boogers in your life. But here's the truth, and this, you know this is true as well. What do we want to do with boogers? Right? You want to flick the boogers someplace far from you. Nobody likes being around a booger. That's the truth, isn't it? It is. It's true. Nobody likes being around a booger. Nobody likes being around a complainer. Are there things to complain about in your life? If you're like me, I can promise you, yes, there are. But you can choose to either whine and complain about the things that annoy you, or you can live your life being thankful for the blessings that you enjoy in your life. And there's plenty of them. There are. There are things, you, there are things to be thankful for. And when you live with an attitude of gratitude, it makes a difference. It makes people, it draws people to you instead of having them want to flick you off. Okay? It draws them to you. It gives you an opportunity to share the, the faith that enables you to be thankful. Be thankful. Friday, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. This is what it means for Jesus to be Lord of your life. Let the word of, of Jesus dwell in you 
richly. It is God's word that makes sense. It is God's word that provides the roadmap for life. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. When I, I, I think that perhaps the greatest contribution I might have made to new life in its early, early life is that when I was interviewed to be the lead pastor, the first lead pastor, the only pastor of new life at that point, because we were still a pretty small congregation, um, the call team said to me, um, we're sorry, but we don't really have our constitution put together yet. And they apologized for that. And I said, well, thank goodness that you don't. How about let's just not have one? And they said, well, you got to have a constitution. you got to have laws and rules about how to be the church together. I said, no, you don't. So we got one already. You know what it is? It's the Bible. And, it, and the Bible really does have really good wisdom about how the church should function together. Now, we should, we, I mean, along the way, we've made a list of things that seem to make sense to us about how we live our life together. But we, we chose to not have... A, a, a constitution is a, is a good thing for humans in a, in a pluralistic society without everybody um, submitting to the word of God. So that's why you got to have a constitution in secular society. But in the church, we've already got one. We've got a guidebook. We've got something that will help us in our life together. It's called the Bible, and people need to get familiar with it. And we need to trust it. And we need to say, oh, yeah, let Jesus be boss. Let the Lord be Lord. And so, to this day, new life doesn't have a constitution. And there were a couple of people after first service that were still complaining about that. I said, you're, you're to blame. I said, yeah, I am. <laughs> get over it. <laughs> you know, it's all right. I mean, I get it. I get that we kind of like to figure things out and we want to have, you know, some human say in all that. And, and God, you know, that's what a leadership team is for. But I, I just think that if we're going to let the Lord of the church be the Lord, we've got to let the Bible be the Constitution. We've got to let the Bible be the guide that we live by because there's good, there's good wisdom there for us. Let the Word of God dwell in you richly. Finally, on Saturday, here's what you can do on Saturday. Do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Brothers and sisters, remember when you go about being who you are in the world in which you live, remember whose you are. Remember whose you are. You don't bear your own name any longer. You bear the name of Jesus. If Jesus is Lord, then you need to let his name be that which influences who you are. Let do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Let everything you do be a reflection of whose you are. If we'll do that, if we do everything we do in the name of the Lord Jesus, then we will have tremendous influence as we live our lives in the world that God has called us to live in. The church, and this is the thing that I am most impressed with, in the candidates that we have talked to to this point, and that's why I'm so hopeful for the life of New Life in the future, is that the candidates we've talked to have 
have a keen understanding. The young leaders that God is raising up in the church today have a keen understanding of the fact that we have got to get outside of the walls of this building and be the church in the community in which we live. And we've got to find creative ways in which we do that. The candidate we talked to this week talked about uh, in, in his sphere of influence, he has a guy that started a little group that's being the church in the tattoo parlor. <laughs> you know, that's not a thing, that's not the place that you think of real often as the place where, you know, the people who know Jesus gather. But in this place, they're learning to kind of talk with people and even pray together and, and kind of study together a little bit. And if some of those people never make their way into the walls of a church like this, they will still come to know Jesus. Maybe at some point they'll, they'll find their way into the more traditional gathering of God's people. Somebody else was talking about, talking about another friend who's got a group that meets at the dog park where all the, come, the people that come to walk their dogs are getting to know each other. And then all of a sudden they one day talked about, you know, Jesus in the conversation. And pretty soon they were uh, praying with the other dog owners before they went on their way for their week again and, or till the next time they met them at the dog park. And that's the church be in the church in a very unusual place in a kind of creative kind of environment. And maybe or maybe not, maybe they'll find their way into this kind of gathering, but they probably will never find their way into this kind of gathering if they don't find their way in, in that gathering first. See what I'm talking about? We've got to find a way to get out of the, the walls of the building and be the church in the community. And I think that whoever we call to service is going to have that understanding of the church, and I'm grateful for it. So Jesus is Lord, and he will be Lord, and he wants to be Lord, not only of your life, but of this gathering of, of believers, and he wants us to be prepared and equipped when we gather here to be sent out into the world to be the church in creative and meaningful ways so that others will come to know uh, the one that we know as Lord, as Savior, as Redeemer, as Friend, as guide, as all of the things that Jesus is and wants to be for us and for those that we know. And to that, I believe we can all say, Amen. Amen. Amen.